0: everyone and welcome to worship at Hillhead. Our worship this morning is led by our minister Katrina and we will also hear the voices of Brian, Wendy, Alistair and Sylvia reading scripture and Esan will read the Lord's prayer. In a moment Esther, Rory and Shay will light our candles. Our musicians this morning are Paul and Leo. In family news, as we heard this week, um, Alan has had a stroke. I want to reassure everyone that he is doing well and is now in room 10 um, in ward 46 in the Langlands building. That's at the back of the Queen Elizabeth Hospital and if you need directions, if you've not visited there before, speak to Margaret or Katrina. We remember Mary H, who has recently started to worship with us on Zoom as she recovers from her recent illness sadly neil clark's father passed away peacefully yesterday we hold neil anita bonnie and their whole family in prayer we also remember hannah and tamara following the recent death of hannah's father we heard last week about an evening of music cake and reflection with our friends in the other west end churches i'm sorry for giving out incorrect information last week I'm covering for Katrina. I am sorry for giving her incorrect information last week. Um, this event is not this evening, um, but it's actually this coming Wednesday. So that's Wednesday, the 7th of June at 7 PM in the upper room at the Curlers pub on Barres Road. Um, I'm also giving formal notice for a church meeting. Um, this meeting will take place two weeks today on the 18th of June during morning worship. Um, This will include updates on the discernment process and our movement into pastoral vacancy. Um, We're delighted that next Sunday morning we will be welcoming the family and friends of Emma and Drew for Killian's blessing. Now it's time for Esther, Rory and Shay to light our candles.
1: We light this light in the name of the maker who lit the world and breathed breathed the breath of life for us. We light a light in the name of the Saviour, who saved the world and stretched out his
2: hand to us.
1: We light a light in the name of the Spirit, who income passes where worlds blesses our souls with yearnings. We light we light three we, lights. We light like, three lights, lights for, for the Trinity, Trinity of, of love. God above, us, God above us God beside us God, us, God beneath, beneath us the beginning, us, the end and the everlasting one.
2: Now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God unnamed and unnameable. We gather in the name of Jesus, Rabbi, Prophet, Anointed One, Son of Mary, Son of God. And we gather to offer our praise and thanksgiving for all that brings life and hope to offer our sorrow and remorse for all that has brought regret or hurt and to receive your forgiveness, encouragement and refreshment. God who creates and recreates, who redeems and renews, who sustains and enfolds, may we who attempt to worship you this day experience in some small measure your living presence. May we who do our best to follow Jesus be energised and encouraged to follow courageously. May we who long for your peaceful transformation of all creation be blessed with new hope, new joy and new love. And may the words of those who speak The thoughts of all our minds and the feelings in all of our hearts be acceptable to you as an offering of worship. Amen.
3: We are invited to join together the Lord's Prayer in our own preferred language and form. اراده تو، چنان که در است بر زمین نیز کرده شده. نان کفاف ما را رو بدم روز به ما بده. و گناهار ما را بگنه شد. چنان که ما نیز، آنان که بعد ما گناه کردن را رو... و ما را در...
1: موسیقی we
2: We're going to start this morning by thinking about names and about our own names and where they come from. Does anybody here know where their given name, the name they were given by their parents, comes from or what it means? I've got Addy grinning, so I think he's going to tell me an enormously long Nigerian name and what it, what it means. So do you have a... a your, given, your full given name and what it means? Uh, yes. Do you want to come and tell us from the front? Because <laughs> in Nigeria, names are really important, aren't they, in Nigeria? So, you're, so you're, your full given name... My
3: full given name is Adewome Olaoluwa. Adewome means I love crown. And uh, Olaoluwa means uh, God's, God's grace, something like that.
2: Thank you. So, and I know both Esther and Shay have got long Yoruba names that are equally important. The, the names you have are really important. Other people who've got uh, the name that you were given, or if it's if you use a name that you chose for yourself, that name and um, anything about its origins. Nobody's got a name. Okay, we're all, we're all unnamed. So, for example, I know because I went through some of the names in the church. So K- Katrina and I share a name, which is the Gallic form of Catherine, which comes from the Greek, which means pure and clean. So that's why we're so amazing at housework. Clearly, Katrina, <laughs> not. Uh, so names do sometimes have meaning. So Holly and Laura are both plant origin names. So Laurel, I think, is where Laura comes from. Holly is a winter plant. Grace is a virtue name. Uh, Bethany is a place in, in the Bible. Um, Paul, do you know what Paul means? Small. So that's not a nominative <laughs> determinism. it? Paul's up here, but he has a name that means small. So names can be very significant, and there are quite a lot of names of people in the Bible that um, relate to God. So does anybody know what the name Elijah means? Where that name comes from um, or in fact Joel, which actually means exactly the same thing the Lord is God. yep that's right the Lord is God or God is the Lord so Yah ja is one of the God names and Eli is one of the other God names can anybody think of any other Bible names either have a Yah ja bit or an L bit sometimes at the end
1: Elizabeth.
2: Elizabeth yeah absolutely do you know what it means Lizzie yeah, absolutely. So Lizzie is the promise of God. So that's great. Um, any Michaels, Daniels, Samuel, Israel, and Joshua. So different names that have something of God that that people were named to to sort of think about how God relates to them. So we've got different ones like that. But what about names we use for God? And um, we sang a, a song at the beginning about bring many names and I use a prayer that says name unnamed what are some of the names that we used for God anybody think of any Yahweh Yahweh. yeah which is the uh, sometimes referred to as a tetragrammaton because if, if you're saying it if you're Jewish you will not say that the vowels um yep so I am who I am I will be who I will be I am what I was or whatever yep thank you um are the other names for God L, yep, that's right, L or La, yep, Elohim there, definitely, yep. Anybody online want to shout anything out? You're not forbidden from joining in just because you're on the other end of the Zoom. Feel free to unmute and call out a name for God. Jehovah, Jehovah thank you, yep. And we'll be coming back to that one in a, in a mix. We're going to be singing in a few minutes. So Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai. Um, other, some of the words what about the description words the, the metaphors or the similes the words that we say God is like that we hear in the Bible so for example God is like a shelter is one of the names is one of the descriptions can you think of any of the other descriptions we hear of God in the Bible God is love God is love. brilliant Katrina thank you a rock. A rock thank you Nancy yeah it's hard that? I'm making you work very hard on a Sunday morning There are loads, there are loads and loads of them, and and we would never get to the end of them because there are so many, because when you try to name something that's beyond naming, you come up with lots and lots of different things. So we're all going to practice a bit of our Hebrew now, as we're going to sing quite an old song. Um, Jehovah Jireh I can I can manage that bit when it gets towards the end you wind up spitting at each other when you get to things like or something like that Um, but anyway we're just going to give it a go as we sing together Jehovah Jireh and after that the children will go off for their Sunday school thanks Paul
0: our first reading we will hear psalm 8 from the message paraphrase god brilliant lord yours is a household name nursing infants gurgle choruses about you toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence the babble of the Avenger. I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their settings. Then I look at my micro self and I wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? Yet we've so narrowly missed being gods, bright with Eden's dawn light. You put us in charge of your handcrafted world, repeated to us your Genesis charge. Made us stewards of sheep and cattle, even animals out in the wild. Birds flying and fish swimming, whales singing in the ocean deeps. God, brilliant Lord, your name echoes around the world.
4: And from Isaiah 40 from the Voice uh, Dynamic Equivalence Translation. Who has taken count and measured out? All the earth's waters in a single cupped palm and determined heaven's expanse with an outstretched hand? Who has counted exactly how many grains of dirt are here on earth and weighed the mountains and the hills on scales? Who has directed the spirit of the eternal one? Can anyone claim to be his advisor? To whom did God turn for advice or instruction? Whom did he consult about right and wrong? Who directed him down the path of justice or imparted to him knowledge? Who taught him the way of understanding? Let's face it, the nations are nothing but a drop in the bucket, only a smidgen on the scales by the reckoning of God. He can pick up entire islands as if they are grains of dirt. Even if we had the resources of Lebanon, all of its trees to burn for fuel, all of its animals for burnt offerings, how could we think that we've got enough to give to God? All the countries of the world don't add up to anything. In the eyes of God, they are less than nothing. They are empty wastelands. From
1: the highest of heights to the depths of the sea.
5: I'm reading Isaiah 40 from 28 to 31. Don't you know, haven't you heard? The eternal, the everlasting God, the creator of the whole world, never get tired or weary. His wisdom is beyond understanding. God strengthens the weary and gives vitality to those worked down by age and care. Young people will get tired. Strapping young men will stumble and fall. But those who trust in the eternal, one will regain their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run, never winded, never weary. They will walk, never tired, never faint.
3: The next reading is from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. The eleven disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for the reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him, Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorised and commanded me to commission you, go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age.
2: And from Second Corinthians, verses 11 to 13. At the end of his letter, the apostle writes, And that's about it, friends. Be cheerful. Keep things in good repair. Keep your spirits up. Think in harmony. Be agreeable. Do all that for sure. Greet one another with a holy embrace. All the brothers and sisters say hello. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship
1: of the Holy Spirit be with all of
2: you. often said that you can't preach on Trinity Sunday without committing heresy so just so pictures of fluffy
4: kittens.
2: (laughs) I don't have a picture of fluffy kittens and I'm not going to try and do anything with the doctrine of the Trinity. But I am going to talk about God. When we speak about God we attempt something impossible. We're using human speech, human words and human ideas to describe something that defies description. Something that we believe, or at least hope, is true, but that ultimately we cannot prove. To speak of God at all is an exercise of faith, trusting that however fragile and faltering our belief However inadequate our language or imagination, the words we choose to use and use do point to something or to someone of ultimate importance. When we gather together on a Sunday to share in something that we call worship, we do so with a shared vocabulary about the divine. Without realizing it or even thinking about it, we use words and language that only make sense in the context of faith, and sometimes actually only make context within this community of faith because of the nuance and the emphasis of words and symbols and meanings. Very often, when we try to speak about God as Trinity, we use triplets of names. And threefold formulas as prayer, such as we did at the start with the candles. I got that one out of a book. I didn't make it up myself. We don't often stop to think about the why of it, though. We just accept it. And often, unconsciously, we develop our own language, which, frankly, is very confusing to somebody who walks in from outside and and doesn't know what we're talking about. It's a brave person that chooses to join a church where the language is strange and the concepts unfamiliar. But it's not unique to churches. If you go into a workplace or a club or even a family, there are words and phrases that only make sense in that context. We can probably all think of something we say at home in our family that is our language that makes us laugh, but nobody else would really get it. And the language we use to speak about God is shaped by 2,000 years of Christian thought and experience, and that in turn is built on a much, much longer history of Jewish understanding. We cherish as sacred texts, words translated from languages that most of us don't speak, written by people whose worldview and culture we can't begin to understand, And so we risk misunderstanding and misappropriating ideas because we see something as eternal when actually it's contextual. We also risk missing the majesty and mystery of ancient poetry because we use the lenses of our time. And I had to write down three different Periods for that. So, some of us use enlightenment lenses, some of us use modern lenses, some of us use postmodern lenses, and some people are postmodern. But we interpret through our own culture and we don't even recognize that we're doing that. So, it's no wonder then that it's really difficult to talk about God or to talk about faith with the people we meet outside of a Sunday. But that's not all of it, is it? The language is impossible. But also when we go out of our nice Christian bubble and go back into the everyday world, the failures and sins of organised religion are often the only means that people have to form an idea about the divinity that lies behind it whether that is institutionalised racism, misogyny and homophobia, whether it's the historic abuse of children and vulnerable adults, or whether it's the abuse of power, of power by high-profile leaders that we sometimes hit the headlines on the one hand, or whether it is the silent inaction on everyday matters of justice such as poverty, creation care, by the big C church, it's not surprising that people think, what on earth kind of God do you believe in? And it's not unreasonable that people say, I can't believe in a God who would allow all of that stuff. When I was much younger, amongst evangelical apologists, they glib answer to that was, well, I don't believe in that kind of God either. The trouble is, we might not believe in that kind of God, but the church with a big C often lives a life that suggests we do. It's no good us saying, what kind of God do I, do we believe in, unless we have the courage to ask the follow-up question, which is, And so what? Or to put it a different way, how does my life, how does the life of this church, how does the life of our denomination, how does the life of churches generally express the truth claims we make about God? I've chosen today quite deliberately to use the lectionary readings, but to use them in less familiar forms. They're forms that generally people just read to themselves are not particularly designed for public sharing. So I'm very grateful to our readers who, who did read them for us today. The Old Testament readings we were offered today very much focus on the idea of God as the creator, the one who is the origin of all that is the prime mover, the source of everything from subatomic particles with fascinating names like charm and strangeness, through to vast galaxies, such as some of those images we saw on the screen, from tiny amoeba through to to mammals, to giraffes and elephants and duck-billed platypuses and other strange creatures, from plankton to palm trees. A God who is creator, who we define by the noun creator, is by nature then creative. And God's work is that of creating and re-creating. So what? So if God is creative, full of imagination, thrilled by diversity, willing to experiment and to take risks then we as god's creatures and as god's co-creators should do our best to embody the same energy from creation care at one level to the performing and visual arts at another from studying the sciences that we might better understand the world to expressing with new, new sorry experimenting with new ways to express our faith and a whole lot more If we believe in a God who declares all creation to be good, and God apparently does that several times in Genesis 1, and if we believe in a God who's continually active in the work of creation, what does that mean for us? A second theme that can be traced through the Old Testament readings we heard this morning is in relation to humankind. On the one hand, we see how mar- we see and we marvel at how delight in the natural world draws humans to awe and to wonder, and then to the mystery of God. But on the other hand, we're reminded of the frailty and finitude of humans when compared to the vastness of the universe, not alone to God. We're told even young people get tired, worn out by the exertions of daily life. Even the most successful people can mess up or trip up. Sometimes call that sin. As creatures, as part of the creation, we need to be cared for as well as to care. The words Redeemer and sustainer, sometimes used alongside creator to describe God, are further attributes that are worth considering. We're not just abandoned in a cold, empty universe left to our own devices to succeed or to fail. Creation isn't just the experiment of some cold, unfeeling mad scientist we have a god who feels the pain of creation a god whose very heart is moved to action to refresh to restore to repair and to renew but but we need to be a little bit careful Because this same God has gifted creation with freedom. And that's a huge risk. Because freedom may deliberately or accidentally lead to harmful consequences. And true freedom means that God is not going to intervene and repair every single mistake we make. If God kept interrupting the arc of history, we would not in the end be truly free. We would be puppets or or toys. Part of the mystery of the God who creates, redeems and sustains all things is that God also entrusts frail, finite human beings to embody and express those same things in our attitudes and our actions. And yes, one of the consequences of that is that bad things do happen, even to good people. And bad things happen in and by the church. So it's not just a question about what kind of God but about what kind of believers in God. The gospel reading we're offered today is the end of the gospel attributed to Matthew, traditionally seen as a former tax collector, a man who had enjoyed a money-moted lifestyle, whose whole life was turned around by his encounter with Jesus of Nazareth. The message paraphrase, I think, expresses something helpful about that encounter. Jesus' followers have made their way to the place he told them to go. And as they get there, they find themselves moved to worship. And usually, in a a straight translation, we say, they worshipped, but some doubted. But in the paraphrase we heard, there's a slight nuance there that says, basically, they worshipped and they doubted. There's discomfort, there's an internal turmoil or dissonance going on there. That sounds right, doesn't it? We come to worship and yet there are questions and doubts and things going on. There is a risk in choosing to worship God. A risk that God might demand from us more than we want to give. Yes, Jesus, we say, I'll follow you. I'll throw my lot in with you, but don't make it too demanding. Do you remember a parable Jesus told about that? Paul just happened to cite it just before the service. We were chatting about something and he said, Oh, what? And it's like, First let me go and bury my father. First let me go and test out my oxen. First let me do this and then I'll follow you. It's hard. To do the so what. It's hard enough to do the what kind of God, but the so what is more hard. It is demanding. By now, Jesus' followers have a pretty good understanding of what kind of God Jesus has been teaching them about. And so they've got to do the so what. And Jesus says, and this is what it looks like for you. This is the so what. This is what you're to do. You're to go to all people everywhere, those nearby and those far away, you to go to those who think like you, who share your worldview and your politics and all that sort of thing, and to people who are completely unlike you who disagree with you, go to those it's easy to like and those it's hard to like. go to those the church would gladly include and those the church would gladly exclude. Go to all people everywhere. But don't just go and have a nice time. No, 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 there's work for you to do here. You are to be teachers, enablers, encouragers. You're to share what you have learned about God as a result of knowing Jesus. That your everyday life has got to show the difference it means to believe in this kind of God. And that is super hard, super scary. They're told to practice a ritual called baptism, a sign and a symbol of being committed to this way of living and believing. And that act of baptism, I've written down here, it is dripping with so much meaning, it would take several sermons to begin to explore it. But there's something in there about a symbol of washing away the dust of regret. There is something in there about being dyed, D-Y-E-D, changed colour, with a vivid rainbow colour of new life and new hope. And there is also something about this sign and this symbol and this act that we can recall when it gets tough, when it's difficult, when we want to give up, when the challenges of the questions we can't answer, when the sting of hurt or failure all feels overwhelming. We have that memory of that moment. I wonder what, if any, of that resonates for any of us today. What might God be prompting us individually or collectively to do and to be? I wonder what answering these questions looks like in a season of discernment and in an approaching pastoral vacancy. And I ask myself the same questions as I follow God's call to a new place and a new role it is risky and scary and it could all go horribly wrong but it could be far more wonderful creative life-giving restorative refreshing joyful hopeful and loving than we could ever imagine what kind of god and so what Whatever we might think about his writing, the Apostle Paul devoted his life trying to live out the commission of Christ. He took huge risks. He travelled far and wide. He taught. He baptised. He trained new leaders. And he got plenty of stuff wrong along the way. There's no doubt about that. He's credited with writing rather a lot of letters to different churches who were trying to work out what discipleship looked like. And each one of them ends with some words of blessing. He he prays for them as he finishes up. He doesn't despite love from Paul, he puts a blessing. And probably the best known of these is the one at the end of 2 Corinthians, which Wendy read for us in a modern paraphrase. To finish our reflection this morning, as we're left with the challenge of thinking about our response to what kind of God and so what... Let's hear that blessing spoken over us. May the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of us, now and always. Amen. Us pray. We come to you, the God who continually creates, redeems, and sustains all that is. We come to you with our words, our thoughts, and our feelings, to offer our prayers, however imperfect, for ourselves, for others and for the world of which we are but a tiny part. We thank you for this church community, for each person who connects with us on site, online, and via our podcasts. Help us to delight in each other, to encourage and empower one another, And to have the courage and willingness to share our gifts and skills in the life of our church. Today, we pray especially for the technical team, who set up cameras and microphones, seek out recordings of music, make recordings of services, and edit and upload podcasts. Each one of them offering their skills as an act of worship to God. We pray for those whose names appear in our prayer diary this week, some of whom we know well and see often, and others who we connect with less often or only at a distance. Yang Yang, Edith and Tom, Bethany, Emma, Drew and Killian, Jane S, Wendy, Steve C. Neil, Anita and Bonnie. And also Neil's wider family. Dr. Beth. Mary. Janet and Roger. We also pray for Alan B. and for Mary H. God who heals. God who comforts. God who empowers, God who refreshes, God who calls. Be with each of these friends, holding them in your love. Across Scotland are diverse Baptist churches, each seeking to serve God in their own communities, sharing good news, being salt and light. Bringing hope, healing, and wholeness. Today we name before God Falkirk Baptist Church, Fort William Baptist Church, Forrest Baptist Church, Fraserborough Baptist Church, Galashiels Baptist Church, and Geary Church. From the borders to the highlands, urban and rural, traditional and experimental, may each know the blessing of the God who constantly creates, redeems and sustains them. The work of BMS World Mission began with one person who recognised the call of God to go to faraway places to share the good news at a time when few were willing to do so. Shaped by their culture and context, yet seeking to follow Christ, the work begun then has continued and evolved to what we know today. This week's prayer requests centre on gender justice, and these two are direct quotes. We praise God for gender champions within our partner organizations working to prevent gender-based violence. We pray that their efforts will bring about gender equality and protection of the rights of the vulnerable. We pray for courage for those who have to play the role of the uncomfortable voice, denouncing injustices or fighting corruption, whether in their families communities at work, in their church or ministry, or in the public arena. And lastly, a few moments of quiet to bring to God the people, places, and topics on our own hearts. Courageously asking God to show us how to be the so what response to our own prayers. God, who always creates, redeems and sustains all things, hear our prayers and empower us to live the answers wherever and whenever we can. In Christ's name. Amen. welcome to receive at our table but if you prefer not to that's totally fine as well just allow the elements to pass you by for everyone born a place at the table the table of God the eternal banquet prepared for all to share glimpsed here and now at this table in this place For everyone here, a place at the table. Ordinary people trying to follow Jesus in their everyday lives. On Zoom, in a room, or later via a podcast. For those who went before us, a place at the table. For those who will come after us, a place at the table. For this is the table of our Lord, unseen yet ever-present, the host and the guest who bids us all come and dine. We listen to the account of the Last Supper from the Gospel attributed to Matthew. While they were eating, Jesus took a piece of bread, gave a prayer of thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take and eat, he said. This represents my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks to God and gave it to them. Drink it, all of you, he said. This represents my blood, which seals God's covenant. My blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink wine until the day I drink new wine with you in my Father's kingdom. We follow Jesus' example in praying a prayer of thanks. Creating God who gives us grain and grapes from which we can make bread and wine we thank you for the food and drink we have before us. Creative God, who gives us intellect and imagination, enabling us to express ideas and insights. We thank you for these signs and symbols. Recreating God, who promises to make everything new and allows us a glimpse of that truth in the here and now, we thank you and recommit ourselves to be co-creators with you. Amen. Jesus took the bread and broke it and shared it with his friends. We, who he calls friends, are invited, if we wish, to share some bread and to remember. At the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine and blessed it and shared it with his friends. Around about 120-ish years ago, Baptists and Methodists and other non-conformist traditions of Christianity in these islands made a choice to move away from fermented wine to fruit juice it was a pastoral decision to include those who might be excluded because of the dangers of strong drink, to use their language. And from those little cups we evolved a tradition and a tradition which carries important symbolism. That we retain our cups, drinking together as a sign and symbol of what unites us with each other and with other Christians across the world and through time itself. So please retain your cups as you receive so that we can drink together. So our siblings in Christ As pilgrims and companions on the journey of life, let us drink together in gratitude. Some words from an old um, communion hymn with a slight tweak. Too soon it feels we must rise and the symbols will disappear. The moment, but not the meaning, is past and gone. The bread and wine will be removed, but our God is still here. As near, maybe nearer than ever. Creating, redeeming, sustaining all. Amen. (laughs) Bye. <laughs> Just before the final grace, I do uh, offer you greetings from Lena and her church in Klaipeda. She particularly asked us to pass on their greetings as she will be taking ours to them. A prayer of blessing. May the God of creation renew our creativity and clarify our vision. May the God of redemption liberate us to empower and encourage others. May the God of sustenance refresh and invigorate us for worship and service. And if you'd like to join in, if you know the words, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.